Hey everyone, it's Abadesi, your host of today's Product Hunt Radio, where I'm joined by the founders, investors, and makers that are shaping the future of tech. On this episode, I chat with Taylor Lorenz, staff writer at The Atlantic, an all-round social media superstar. Her journalism work covers tech and culture, and I love how she always finds a way to be both entertaining and stir up thought-provoking debate. In this episode, we talk about where her obsession with the web and social media began, RIP Facebook groups, whether tech is good or bad, her obsession with horror movies, and why she's deciding to not live on Mars. We also discuss her favorite products, Google Maps, TikTok, Shudder, it's a Netflix for horror. But before we jump in, let's give a shout out to our sponsors. As some of you may know, in addition to my day job at Product Hunt, I also invest in early stage startups thanks to Angelus Venture Fund Services. In 2017, I prepared a deck, raised some money from friends and people I've worked with over the years to bootstrap my first fund. I raised money and capital from LPs and Angelus handled everything else, providing a dedicated account manager, a real-time dashboard to manage my portfolio and valuations, tools to keep my LPs up to date, and all the tax and accounting overhead. They make it super easy for me to move quickly. While still relatively new, Angelus has already hosted over 130 venture funds, which can range as small as $500,000 to tens of millions of dollars under management. And as a fund manager, your job is to simply find great entrepreneurs and choose who to invest in. Everything else is handled. If you're interested in starting a fund, learn more at angel.co slash venture funds, or drop me a line at ryan at product10.com and I'd be happy to help. Hey everyone, it's Abadesi here with another episode of Product Hunt Radio. And today I'm joined by one of my favorite people in the tech industry and certainly one of my faves on social media, the incredible Taylor Lorenz. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. So first things first, for those out there who are not familiar with you, tell us about yourself and what you do. Sure. So I am a um, reporter at The Atlantic, and I write about internet culture, basically. So that includes a lot of things about like social media related coverage, trends, influencers, any kind of like weird emerging things on the internet and a lot of uh, and communities too. Amazing. You're so humble in that. I mean, we literally look to you in the product and team as like, you know, the guru. She can like identify the oh, trends no. <laughs> and what's coming up before it happens. And you you you're, you always have your finger on the pulse, but you also deliver these insights in like a completely hilarious way, which I love. And I often feel is like sometimes like missing from journalism. So I really appreciate everything that you create. And my first question for you is, when did you know that you wanted to be a journalist? Oh my God, I still don't know. I mean, I do love, I do love my job, so I do know, but I kind of fell into it. So I, you know, I don't, I never really had a background in journalism um, or, or, you know, I know a lot of kids maybe want to be a journalist, which is so cool. I mean, I, I wish I kind of had found this earlier. It's definitely like my dream job for right now. Um, but uh, I've only been writing full time for a year and a half, so not that long. I did other reporting before that, um, just lots of different types of things. I guess I I got my first job in media about four or five years ago. Um, I was running social media and interactive news for the Daily Mail, and that's when I realized that I really liked working in media. So I just thought I want to keep working in media. I think this is like my biggest passion. So. I guess around then I really recognized my passion for working in media, but before that I recognized my passion for the internet. And I guess that kind of is what 
got me into all of this. That's awesome. Honing in on that point around your passion for the internet, you're definitely seen as like an internet influencer, if I can say that, or, you know, th- that is the world that you know about and, you know, always have insight into. And could you tell us a bit more about how it came to be that you were obsessed with this world and it became such a big part of your life? Yeah, I never was really into the internet very much growing up. Like I have other friends who are engineers or just, I don't know, we're we're like on the internet in the 90s and stuff. I had AIM and I had Facebook in college, but I just thought like stuff online was for losers. Like I never had a MySpace. (laughs) was so stupid. I just perpetually wanted to seem cooler than I was, I guess. And so I was always like, that's for nerds. And then um, around 2009, I was working just a bunch of really shitty temp jobs. And um, this girl that I worked with got me on Tumblr. She was like, oh, I just kill time on Tumblr all day. And I was like, what's Tumblr? Oh, wow, cool. And oh my God, she introduced it to me. And I, I'm not kidding. I spent like 16 hours a day on Tumblr. Oh, wow. Um, for the next couple of years. I mean, it was my life. Like everything, all my friends were from Tumblr. It, it completely dominated my life. Like once I found Tumblr, I was like, whoa, there's this whole other world. And then I got on Twitter and, you know, all these other social platforms, but I, I kind of just like got really into stuff online. I felt like I finally found my people. I think growing up, I never felt like I really fit in. And so I switched schools a million times and tried on a lot of different things. And I think once I got on the internet, I was like, oh, there's like so many people on here. This is great. (laughs) So I think, yeah, since then I, and definitely, I mean, I, I remember back in Tumblr days feeling frustrated with how people covered like certain online communities I was part of. Oh, interesting. So yeah, I, I feel really lucky to be able to write about stuff today, but I'm like permanently uh, paranoid of being that journalist that's just like knows nothing and comes and writes some stupid story that everyone in the community <laughs> mocks. <or something>, so. <laughs> um, can you give us some examples of like how you felt communities weren't being covered in an accurate enough way or like a fair enough way when you were participating in them? Well, it's just more like cheesy. Like that right. was like the day when, and this was like even before a lot of like the real like cheesy meme coverage, like the internet is doing this. Like I hate every headline that says like the internet, like okay, yeah. hate when it's just like 10 people on Twitter. But I just felt like people were stupid, like didn't get the memes. Like, you know how it is when you spend, I'm sure like kids today feel this way about me, but it's like, you know, when you're immersed in something all day and then someone else comes in and tries to talk to you about it, you're just like, oh, you don't get it. Or like, you know, when I just remember some reporter from the Daily Dot, which I ended up writing for and I love the Daily Dot. They actually like covered a lot of internet stuff way before anybody else did. So props to Daily Dot. But one time this reporter reached out to me about some Tumblr trend and I was literally just like, oh my God, like imagine being so out of touch that you don't know this like stupid Tumblr trend when (laughs) I didn't even know that trend like a month before. But yeah. I feel you. Yeah. (laughs) So yeah, but I just, I don't know. I just really liked the internet. I mean, that was a totally different time before everything became like a hell site. Um, And it was just way more positive and accepting and creative and you know people were on there like making cool things and so I just loved it oh that's awesome I'm really nostalgic for that time I feel you I feel you it's so interesting like two things came to mind as you were sharing that like one that idea of being so disconnected from things that are happening on the internet I remember once um, it might have been Julie on our on the Protestant team or someone had like tweeted one of those memes around crypto stuff. And you know that like phrase like HODL, right? H-O-D-L. Yeah. And someone had like commented on it like, uh, typo, don't you mean HODL? 
And I was just like, are you serious? Like, that is just like next level mansplaining. I don't even know what's going on there. Uh, And it just made me laugh so much. And then the second thing um, that you made me think of in those glory days of the internet was um, Emma Gannon, who has a great podcast, um, a broadcaster author I follow on social too, recently published something. Oh, I shouldn't say recently. Emma Gannon published an article about compassion and this idea of like the expectation to be 100% woke and 100% informed on social media and how we oh, I need to read that. Yeah, it's just about like we need to be more forgiving and more compassionate. Like I feel like when it still felt like a brave new frontier, we were all very open-minded and accepting and like our tolerance has gone down <laughs> over time and yeah, her her article is basically like can we just be more compassionate and like yeah, be more open-minded about the way. I think a lot of men online should read that. (laughs) I also think like, it's funny. Like I, I also think everyone, it seems to be like nostalgic for whenever they discovered the internet. Like I have a lot of colleagues that, you know, were on in like online in the nineties and we're just like, Oh, like early forums or Usenets or like, I don't know, like just other, it seems to be like whenever I think maybe it's just being young online is. is like a different experience. And like, so yeah, I I wonder I'm I I wonder like how kids today coming up online will feel about everything. Also, the internet is just like becoming part of everything. So it's true. I feel like with young kids, it's probably going to be something like, oh hey, remember when like there were phones that weren't all touchscreen? I didn't even know. I didn't even know. They'll probably be like more advanced <laughs> than that. They'll probably be like, oh remember when you couldn't voice activate everything? That was so lame. I don't know. Yeah, staying on this theme of like communities, as you know, product hunt is a community, a community of makers and stuff like that. What are some of the observations you've made in your journey as like being in media, now transitioning into full-time journalism about communities, how they operate on the internet? Yeah. What are your views? Is it getting better? Is it getting worse? Is it getting more fragmented? Yeah. So Katie Natopoulos is a writer of BuzzFeed and she's like literally my idol. Like she's so good. And I'm, yeah. But um, she wrote this like really great piece that I think of all the time, a couple, I don't know if it, when she wrote it, it feels like a couple years ago, but it could have just <laughs> been in April. Um, and it was about how like every internet community dissolves into or devolves into mod drama and just oh, like, wow. just like the eternal drama of like forums, like it's just like that plays out in every single type of internet community. And I think about it a lot. I've noticed a lot of like Instagram communities I'm part of have like meltdowns and Mm. someone's ostracized and someone starts to start a splinter group. (laughs) I will say that like one pervasive part, it's just what makes us human Mm. is like our need for drama. And I do think that there's just like an endless, yeah, an, an endless sea of that online. So that's something that I think all communities have, maybe. It's like yes. power struggles and drama. But although product community doesn't seem like that. Yeah, but I do still think that we will still have the odd debate. Like people like you yes. know, that back and forth, I think, for sure. Yes. There's always disagreement, especially as a community kind of scales up. I don't know. For me, I'm really interested in like the theme throughout all my reporting is really how technology affects people's ability to like communicate and connect and stuff. And I think that like really effective communities are welcoming enough. Like I think there's a lot of like online communities that are so insular. Yes. But I feel like the most 
I mean, obviously the ones that grow, if, like let new people in, mm. but I think like remaining accessible is like, I like the communities that are accessible to new people, even if it's not accessible in the sense that you have to understand anything that's going yeah. on. But like, I don't know. I joined this discord group that I found on Instagram oh, and cool. like all these people were dragging me. <laughs> I was like, hey, I'm a journalist. Like I found this on Instagram and they were like, who are LOL, you? Like whatever, like all making fun of me. And Aww. then like a couple people were like direct messaging me, like trying to actually like, they were like being really welcoming and they're like, Hey, like what questions do you have? Or like, what can I tell you? And I was like, this is a good community. Cause yeah. it's like, you know, people are generally like skeptical of outsiders, but not, I don't know. Yes. Really hateful. <laughs> yeah. No, I feel you. It's all about that delicate balance, isn't it? Between feeling relevant enough to everyone that's in there and then like developing that trust and safety and space with them, but also being like open enough to keep growing and, and including people and adapt to new people. Yeah. That- and so much depends on the platform, right? And where it is and where the kind of community is coming from. But I've just been thinking a lot about the difference between Facebook groups and other platforms. Yeah. I wrote a lot about Facebook groups when it launched. And I just think it's crazy that there's like all these really big communities there. But I, the product itself kind of isn't that good. So yeah, it's quite static and not as um... so bad. <laughs> they, were, like, they made this whole push and they like had all these group admins to Chicago and Zuckerberg was like, we're this groups are the future. And then like, they really haven't made many updates except to like put stories in it. Yeah. Um, so it's kind of interesting, like the prolification of groups. I hope I'm using that word right. I now am a member of groups on like WhatsApp, on Slack. You mentioned Discord. I think I'm in a Discord group. I haven't opened that in a while. Telegram. I love Discord. You love Discord? I love Discord. Oh. But t- like Telegram and everything, like that to me seems like a giant group chat. Like, it is. <laughs> it is. And it's like I'm in some Telegram group and every day I wake up to like 1,700 messages. <laughs> and I'm just like, how does anyone like, participate in this and also have life I always like dive in and then I realize people responded to me and I'm like "Ah, I know I'm sometimes worried that I might be a community hoarder I feel that because my job is community it's very important for me to be involved in all the ones I have the privilege of being invited to I'm very grateful to get the invitations but I definitely like pass that tipping point of being able to like balance the time I spend like managing my participation and like there are definitely somewhere like you say I wake up to so many unreads that I I just cannot process them and I just oh yeah I mean I'm in over like 400 Facebook oh my gosh I'm it's such a wash but but like I like you know you gotta dip in when you can dip in exactly one of the things that I love about communities is just like this embracing of like the nuances of identity and life, you know, like, so people have like multifaceted, like identities and, you know, they want to connect with other people that share those common interests or those common experiences. And yeah, why limit yourself to a few? Like if you want to be in a cat lovers group, be in the cat lovers group. If you want to be in like, I think most people do. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's definitely like a way people express themselves. So, which is true offline too, like people join a knitting group or whatever. Yes, exactly. So another thing that um, I wanted to to talk to you about, your work is super interesting because you, as you said, cover this intersection between technology, 
and culture. And I feel like for lots of people outside of, you know, the day-to-day tech world, there are often lots of conversations happening in the media about technology and let's say the negative consequences of technology. So I kind of just wanted to give you the floor to talk a bit about the ways in which we interact with technology and like your view on whether, you know, it's the technology that sometimes creates those negative consequences in our day-to-day life or if it's just us as human beings and then like those parts of us being reflected in how we use technology. <laughs> so I covered politics for two years. Like I covered the 2016 election and then um, the first year of the Trump presidency. And I, after that, I was so worn out when I decided to take the full-time writing job. I literally was like telling editor the one thing I don't want to ever write about is like just all of the awful ways technology is destroying humanity, um, which is like... I just feel like so many people cover it. It's so real, but I just ugh, like okay. It, to answer your questions one by one, <laughs> <Thanks>. <laughs> I don't think like I mean I think it totally depends. I want to say I don't think technology is the problem, but of course Facebook has proven itself to be like a kind of an awful company in a lot of ways. But I mean overall, like I'm generally like if you like tech in general, yeah. I think is positive bends that way but like there's so many negative I, I don't even I wouldn't even say it bends positive or negative it's so neutral like yes it can be good it can be truly truly awful and you know I think it's up to people who um you know who found these companies and and run any kind of platform especially I mean I mostly cover social platforms so I'm not covering like a, I don't know about like the AI world or whatever but like I would say still like the, the founders have a responsibility to take into account you know, the negative ways that their platform can be used. I think so many founders are delusional about how their own products are used and they want to think it's used some way and they have aspirations for it to be this thing. And it's like, okay, but you are letting like Nazis on here, you know? And so it's good and bad. I don't know. It's really good and bad in different ways. And I, I, there's so many journalists that cover the bad ways really well. And I, love their work. Um, and I, I don't like do enough of it, but I honestly feel like I'm not good at it. And I experienced so much burnout for my last job that I felt like I couldn't, I just didn't have the mental capacity to like even get back into any of that world. So <laughs> now I live in a fantasy world, <laughs> no, no, no. but I feel like that sometimes where I definitely like there's stories that, yeah, that I just, I mean, not if there was a good story, I would totally do it, but yeah. I, I definitely, my focus is more on um, like emerging user behavior and stuff. Cool. And, not on like the negative aspect. So focusing on, you know, emerging user behavior and following these trends across the social media space, is there a typical day in the career of Taylor Lorenz or does that change? Like what what does it actually look like to to do your job? Yeah, uh, my typical day is I wake up, I check Twitter, email, like everything <laughs> everyone else does in the morning. Yeah. I go to work. Sometimes I work from home if I'm our office is like limited in terms of places to sit. So sometimes I, dependingly, um, usually I just go to the office and just write. I mean, most of my stories I find just from kind of cruising around on different platforms or talking to people. Um, so it kind of depends, like there's no, there's no like one day, like some days I just spend all day kind of like reaching out to people, talking to people, following ideas that never become anything. Some days I spend writing, some days I spend interviewing, 
some days I spend just promoting my stuff. Like it kind of depends. There really isn't a typical thing. I also don't have a lot of, I, I don't know. I go back and forth on whether I need stronger work-life boundaries. Right now I have none. Like, <laughs> if, if I feel like working, I work and, you know, like I just mean on the weekends and nights and stuff. So sometimes I, I don't know. Most of my stuff is found just from like cruising around, I guess. That's cool. Looking into things. So I don't have like a, okay, from like three to five, I look at Instagram. Right. Often. Got it. So, but that's also because I'm just, a, I'm, I'm a very disorganized person. <laughs> so that could just be the reason. This is like the brutal honesty of the podcast guest. Like, I don't know <laughs> what my schedule is. Um, it's so interesting that you mention boundaries and this idea of work-life balance is a conversation I've been having a lot with myself kind of reflecting you know on the last 12 months and then thinking about the year ahead and what I'd like to do better being a part of a remote team working in the tech industry where a big part of my job is being on social media the lines are very blurry and I feel like so many of my friends are my work friends or my internet friends one of the things that I was kind of thinking of doing maybe was getting a light phone or, you know, some oh, I other want to device. do that. Do you have one? I emailed Nokia or somebody to get some, the, that like banana phone. And then they like, were like, you don't do phone reviews. <laughs> we're not sending you one. Burn. You're like, I'm um, an influencer. Give it to me now. They were like, it says you're a tech reporter. Can you link us to some other like, like reviews you've done? And I was like, no, no, no. I, <laughs> I want to try it. And then John Herman wrote a great piece on it. And I just gave up the story because I could never do better than him. But um, but yeah, like I, I still might just get one as a, I was going to do it as like a stunt for a story, but I still might get one. The thing is I need Google Maps. Like Google yes, Maps true. basically dictates my life. So I need a phone. This is a request for product is a phone <laughs> that's like a dumb phone, but also, also has Google, Google Maps. Maps. <laughs> but I, it's funny, like, I, I feel like a lot of the tech people, like when I enter, sometimes I talk to startup people and like, they're so like, ugh, like I aspire to like their level. And maybe this is just because they are working at this like insane pace. Mm. But like, I feel like so many of them are like, I wake up every morning at 530. I have this routine. Yeah. I do my bullet journal. Like, and I wish I was like that. I, when I worked in strategy roles mm. and like business development type roles and, you know, other jobs that I've had, I've worked at ad agencies and other jobs before writing. And I had much more of that. Like I definitely had a better like work-life balance yes. and routine and I would get my morning tea and now it's like gotten really sloppy. So my, my, my goal for 2019 is like, yeah, probably not wake up at five, but like, definitely like I've got to, I got to try to like write things. There was down. that viral article of like the world's most productive people wake up at 4am. And I was just like, yeah, yeah, that is total BS. Come on. I have been that person. Okay. I went through an entire year of my life where I woke up at 5am and I took a freezing cold shower every morning. Wow. I read this guy who founded ride some startup guy wrote on medium or actually was, was way before medium he wrote on his personal blog and i read about it and i didn't know what i was doing with my life and i think i just like <laughs> wanted to like seem productive and it was so stupid it did nothing but if it does help you that's great yeah for me i realized that like i'm actually pretty much an early riser anyway but the cold shower was just like kind of hell and yeah i couldn't i couldn't do that uh, my partner tried to do that for a while and he didn't tell me and our shower settings, like there's just one dial. So I kind of like go in, <gasps> oh, no. in and I kind of went in and pushed the button. And I was like, what the? And he was like, oh, I'm trying this like Wim Hof method. And I was like, okay. Yeah. I love it. <laughs> it's cool that it's cool to try. I'll try almost anything like that. Like I love trying those kinds of hacks, but ugh, I never stick with them. I feel like there's an argument for like the non-routine people. I feel like 
Oh yeah. You know, there's a huge argument for it. I want to do all business insider. I used to work there. Maybe they can listen to me. Uh, (laughs) They need to do more lists like that. One of my favorite business insider lists is like people that weren't successful until later in life. And every time I feel bad about myself, I Google it and I read about how like Vera Wang, you know, didn't make her first wedding dress till age 50 or whatever. And like, yes. And the Walmart founder started it in his forties or something. Uh, I need to fact check that. Constantly gives me hope. There was something, somebody tweeted recently about like how like they look at celebrities and they like older celebrities that are really good looking and you're like oh there's still chance to like <laughs> I guess like be really hot and I was thinking about with careers where like yes I'm like good there's still chance to be like successful I guess oh I don't God, know it totally is I feel like timing is is really important I often think about like the diversity and tech work that I've been involved in for the last couple of years. When I first started caring about this in like 2016 and reading up on all the studies that like McKinsey had done and all these reports about just like, you know, gender pay gap, lack of representation, yeah. I would just, you know, go to tech companies and be like, hey, let's talk about this. Let's like build solutions. And no one wanted to know, no one wanted to care. And just two short years later, everyone's talking about representation everywhere, like not just tech, like media, yeah. every industry. So, you know, timing definitely plays a role in like how one is regarded and how one is seasoned. And just final point on this like early riser stuff, people that wake up at 4am go to bed at like 8pm, right? And it's just like, I cannot do that. I want to go to the movies. I want to like do stuff, hang out with my friends. I can't go to bed at nine. I'm not like, you know, geriatric. There's a time (laughs) and a place. I mean, sometimes I do. I've had periods in my life when I got up earlier, like it just kind of depends where you're at. And I... Yeah, like for New York, I mean, New York is such a, New York is such a nighttime city. But definitely when I'm in San Francisco or LA, I go to bed way earlier. Like I think everything in SF closes down earlier. Like that's true. You know, like I, so I think it's just like your city, your lifestyle. I mean, if you have kids, that's a whole other thing. I have no kids or pets. So that's true. I also responsibility free in that regard. I definitely see SF as a very early city. I'm an early riser when I go to San Francisco by jet lag or because of jet lag but I do notice when I'm kind of like up and about at like six in the morning going for a run or whatever loads of people are and where I live in London that's not happening I mean it's still cold it's still dark so maybe there's also that like west coast sunshine that helps people wake up everyone is living a healthier life yeah (laughs) do you have any like productivity hacks that you can share do you like use screen time to like turn your phone off after x o'clock so you can write or anything like that I should do that (laughs) um I do have it like set so that my phone is more orange, you know, to oh, not cool. have the blue light or whatever. Yeah, I had those like blue light blocker glasses for a while that I think are kind of a scam that I ended up. Oh just no way! My colleague Amanda Mull, who everyone should follow, she's an amazing health writer. In terms of productivity hacks, no, I don't have a productivity hack. My hack for like life, I guess, is definitely one thing that I found really the main thing that has ever contributed to my success is like recognizing your talents and and also recognizing your flaws. Like I really had a lot of jobs after college where I that I failed at and I I pretended to be somebody I wasn't. Like I pretended right. to be hyper organized, like hyper whatever, whatever. I actually saw this talk by Jonah Peretti from BuzzFeed and in the I think it was like a video that I watched online. Mm. He said that he was not detail oriented. <laughs> and I was just like a liar, like telling everyone I was detail oriented when I like clearly wasn't and like fucking things up all the time at work. And I saw him say that and BuzzFeed was pretty early then, but I just remember being like, oh my God, 
like, that's so amazing that he can say that. Like, I just didn't even think that it was like an option to not be detail oriented. So after that, I just was like, I'm not detail oriented. And I'm really explicit about that. Like, and I mean that in terms of like an organizational way. Yeah, you're visionary. You're a visionary. With stories, I'll be very like hyper detail oriented in the sense that I get obsessed with details. But like, I'm just not a good scheduler. I know I forgot to reply to your email. Like I, you know, there's a lot of stuff like that. So I think if people recognize that earlier and don't put themselves into jobs where ideally, you know, where you're, where you're going to be forced to kind of like, people should take jobs that match with their flaws and abilities if possible. I love that. Like playing to your strengths. If you can. Yeah. It's not always an option. Sometimes you just need a job, but like definitely realizing that made me stop applying to like, the only job I got fired from was this like hedge fund job and I was mm. so bad at it. Whoa. And in finance? I feel like I was so bad. <laughs> I was really bad. But everyone there was so nice to me. And the woman, when she let me go was like, I just don't think this industry is for you. And I was like, honestly, I think you're right. <laughs> Did you have to wear a suit? I wore like weird stuff to that job. Yeah, I was oh. like 21 and I was wearing like a lot of this like same black skirt every day. And oh. I don't know. I was like, just not very organized, but you had to put together these binders all the time. And I was always messing it up for everyone. And <laughs> yeah, I so I just you. think like that made me realize like, wow, you know what? I'm not going to take a job where a huge part of my job is requires something that I just am not going to succeed at fundamentally. So that's awesome. Do you have any tips? I think that piece of advice is so valuable. And like you said, not everyone has, you know, all the opportunities they'd want available to them to do these roles that like play to their strengths. But I think one thing that everyone has the power to do is like get a better understanding of, you know, what they are good at, what they're not so good at. I've mentioned before in other conversations, my obsession with growth mindset, this phrase coined by Carol Dweck in her book, Mindset. And so much of that is about understanding strengths and weaknesses. Do you feel that this is something that has gotten easier for you as you've gone from one job to the other? Yeah. I mean, I just love to learn and I love new experiences, which is why I think being a journalist is a really great fit in terms of career for me. But yeah, I mean, I just want to learn. Like I just take a lot of jobs to learn. Like every job basically I take to learn. So, I mean, I took, I got into more writing because I felt like I was getting pretty good at strategy roles and I wanted to learn. And I knew I was good at like other things like more interactive news type stuff. But I yeah, I just wanted to learn and get to be a better writer. And I thought this is going to be a good opportunity to do that. And so, you know, I think every job you should try to just get better at something or learn something about yourself. That's awesome. What are the dream things that you would love to write that you have not written yet? <laughs> That's a really good question. I love to write about the ways that, you know, the ways that people connect, you, you know, using technology I don't have any like dream stories. Like I really don't decide my stories until like I find them. So I don't have any like aspirations for stories, but really just to be a better reporter. I mean, there are so many people I look up to. I have a giant Excel document that I've kept for a very long time. And every time I love see a story that I love, I put it on there and I put the reporter's name and then I regularly like (laughs) sort through it and think about why I like stuff that I do or what was really good. So I try to like learn that way. That's so cool. I want to see you do a documentary. I I think that would be really cool. Just oh like God, diving a documentary. Yeah. yeah. I never even considered that. Maybe. <laughs> I think that would be cool. I just think like, you know, having those kind of like one-to-one conversations with like different individuals, like who are interacting with like social media and the way it's changing their lives. Like it wouldn't necessarily be like an extreme thing, like dark net. 
but it would be like a more playful and fun version. And I think that would be incredible. I just feel like there are so many corners of the internet that, you know, as someone that works as a community person internet, I have not even unturned. And I think having an opportunity to explore all those different groups and like the different ways in which people are connecting with each other, like you said, would be so interesting. And I think it would also be so positive, you know, because like there are a lot of negative stories out there. And I think sometimes- I mean, I, and I'm for all the negative stories. Like I think all of these companies should be like seriously held accountable. And like, I yes. try to hold them accountable in some ways too, of course. But like, like I just, for me, I, I cover different types. I'm more in, into like the more like, yeah, just to different corners, I guess. But like, yeah, a documentary would be cool. One thing I like, I mean, I like constantly need side projects. And <laughs> so like, <laughs> maybe I'll try to teach myself, yeah, more video editing and do a documentary. But I don't know. I don't, I don't really, I, I also try to like make, media that I consume and I don't consume a ton of documentaries so I might have to like watch more I really only watch horror movies it's like oh really oh my gosh yeah, the only kind of movie I watch I read a study that said that there are two types of people in the world like those people that like horror films and those people that don't and the reason why people like horror films is because their brain can distinguish between real fear and fake fear so they can basically get all the highs of being scared without like genuinely worrying that they're gonna die and then there are people like me whose (laughs) brains cannot distinguish between real fear and fake fear so i have to like watch scary movies through my fingers and like sometimes like cover my ears and all that kind of stuff so you're probably the person that like doesn't definitely right you just enjoy it it's exciting oh my god I love it I mean it's truly as my boyfriend can attest I watch three or four horror movies a week and I whoa like a week yeah I mean it's the only thing I watch I don't watch anything else I watch sci-fi too sci-fi like when I run out of horror I watch sci-fi but I've watched everything in the Netflix horror and sci-fi categories and I I have Shudder which is a streaming service just for horror anyway that's a good product wow are there any horror movies that actually managed to scare you? Like The Others with Nicole Kidman, that was pretty scary. Yeah, I mean, I like, I get the feeling of getting scared. I think like you said, though, like definitely it's like I'm able to separate it, I guess. Yeah, but I mean, I like this. I like the scary, creepy, messed up ones. But but yeah, it's not like I ever like fear for my life or whatever. <laughs> I, I don't there, know. <laughs> is there a horror movie in Taylor Lorenz? Could that be um, a side project? Okay, I made a horror movie with my boyfriend and some friends, oh and it's not good. <laughs> and oh. we're making another one, I think, soon. But that it's not so going to cool. be on there. You have to share it with the world. Would, that would be bait for all my trolls. So no, I think it's going to stay not online. But I love, I, I follow a lot of like directors and stuff, and I love watching short films and seeing what people do. For me, it's just like a hobby. But it'd be maybe I don't know. Maybe by the time I'm forty, I'm going to do it and be on the BI. <laughs> Now I want to shift gears a bit and talk about your personal relationship with social media. So you famously in the past, like publicly denounced Instagram, you will, well, you just said you were quitting it. In 2014. And then literally, I I like publicly denounced it. There was like an article written about it where I like gave all these thoughts. And then I wrote a first person essay like an idiot. Like being like, here's why I'm quitting Instagram. And literally within a month, I was back on. So I... <laughs> oh, I feel you. I mean, I I deleted Instagram many times before. So I was protesting a change, an incremental change that they had made to the Explore feed. So that's how petty I was being. But I you was mad. 
You have principles. Yeah, I was mad about an update that they pushed. I, like now I always like, you know, users always freak out when there's a change. And now I'm like, oh God, like here it goes. You know, somebody makes a change. There's usually a freak out. But at the time I was, I didn't have that view. I was really <laughs> So <sighs> tell us a bit about what, what role does social media like play in your life? I mean, we've heard a lot about it being a part of your job, but I mean, how would you describe the way that you personally use it? And do you always love it? Do you sometimes hate it? How do you manage it as well? I have a very love-hate relationship with it. Mm. I mean, in a sense, I feel like I owe my entire career and success to social media. So (laughs) I can't hate it And you're talented. Come on. (laughs) (laughs) My content. I think feeling like I found myself through social media, specifically Tumblr, made me really simple. Like, I think it, I think because I felt like I made all of my friends through that. I ha- I mean I literally found my life through that. Like it's hard for me to hate on all social media but then also watching what Tumblr became and you know watching it fall apart and this company get acquired and just you know ugh like it just it made it made me depressed about a lot of stuff on on the internet like about social media. Basically I have an unhealthy relationship with it I think in some ways because I spend too much time on it and I don't have a good way to turn it off. I think I delude myself in saying like that's part of my job, you know. But it is, it is also good. I mean, I join everything, so I'll yeah. you know, there's I'll join like whatever platform is out there and I think certain ones are better than others. I think we've all seen how awful Facebook as a company is and just the product itself I think is such a relic that ugh, I mean, I don't even go on there anymore. My life is basically all about Instagram now. And I spend a lot of time on Twitter because I'm a journalist and that's where I have the most yeah. followers. But in terms of like what makes me happy, I don't know. I mean, I'm into a lot of other kind of like communities. Like I mentioned, I like a lot of the Discord communities that I'm in. Nice. And I don't know, I just joined Amino, which is the most insanely designed app I've ever encountered. They raised like a Series C not that long ago from like really good people. Well, I don't know what they're... They're using the money to basically like build a zillion new features and like no way to orient yourself. Like I literally, I just want to like meet their product team because like I don't understand how it functions. Like the app is insane. It's the weirdest app like ever to navigate. Like people just thought <laughs> Snapchat was confusing. Just spend, take take a walk, you know, on Amino. But it is really cool. There's so many communities there. So I do like that part of it. I, I'm glad to hear that even as someone who's immersed in it all the time, you haven't found that like perfect equilibrium and that perfect balance. I think that's like really, really reassuring. Like lots of conversations I have with my friends, but as well as like other makers within the product and community, we're always trying to strike that perfect balance between, you know, online and offline and social media and headspace and stuff. I think it's so hard. And right now there's so much onus on the user to basically like, yeah, like set your boundaries against, you know, these platforms that are all trying to exploit you. But at the same time, there's so many points in my my life that social media has really helped me. Um, Like I went through a really hard time a couple years ago and literally, I mean, social media got me through it. Like I created this private Facebook group. Like it really helped me through a lot of tough stuff. So but it was also like, you know, this horrible reminder of so much stuff like Facebook on this day and all this other messed up stuff. But yeah, it's it's an ongoing struggle. I think it totally depends on like 
where you are, but, but being able to turn it off. I think the most important thing is to recognize that like, you know, sometimes it can feel like the entire internet hates you or is banging up on you or is like angry at you. And it's really important to remember that that's not true. And that's why you have to have a lot of like good offline friendships too. Yes. Actually, it's so great that you, you bring that up as someone who is a journalist reporting, you know, new topics, controversial topics. Sometimes there must be times where you face some negativity. Do you have advice? My advice is, well, I always tell people to unfriend all your family members on Facebook because that's like an easy way for trolls to go harass them. But I don't know. I I don't get as much. I mean, when I covered politics, it was relentless. Um, Now, I really don't get as much. But definitely there's people that are trolls. I mean, I'm a woman on the internet, so you're going to get a certain amount of hate. Yeah. I mean, I, I think basically just don't even engage it. Like turn all the filters on, like yeah. make a little bubble for yourself if you have to, because you, you know, sometimes people could just be relentless. So yes. Yeah. That's good to know. Okay. So let's talk about products that you love. What are some of the products that you love? Some of the products that like help you get through your day or like products you can't live without share, share, share products. I love, I'm trying to think <laughs> We already know about Google Maps, so I was gonna. <laughs> that was literally what I was gonna say. Google Maps is everything. Somebody wrote. Um, actually, I think it was somebody wrote in Wired um, a story that I kind of wanted to write, which was basically like about how Google Maps is like the new search bar, and people just default Ooh. go to Google Maps for everything. And the discovery that, like, like basically, Google Maps has built in all these discovery mechanisms. Um, over the past year and a half, and they are amazing. Whoever oh. is doing that on Google Maps, like, you're really helping me because like (laughs) it's where I go to find everything like now you can say like they have an explore tab and you can see lists you can search by things like wow coffee event it's just great google maps is the best product I'm sorry but I love it that's so cool so it's like so much more than navigation now it's discovery oh my god it's not yeah it's like everything is google maps it's where I find out about events happening it's like where I find everything. I mean, I location share too, so I can see where people are, um, which I think is really great. Um, so it's like a social app for me. Um, I love TikTok as like a fun place to spend time on the internet. If you haven't mm. been on there, you should get on and try it out. Like I said, Shutter, which is a streaming platform. It's like Netflix, but just for horror. I think they can get better content, but it's pretty good. So I use that a lot. What about like, I'm curious, do you have like a smart home? Like, do you have voices? I don't do any of that stuff. No. You know. First of all, I live in a like really old apartment in Brooklyn, so I don't have like <laughs> smart lights to hook up to anything. I don't <laughs> I'm the same. I'm like in a super old place. Yeah, like literally my apartment, I can almost touch the other wall, so I don't really <laughs> need like an Alexa to like do stuff for me. But yeah, so I don't have any of that stuff. I probably won't. I mean, I had like a VR headset that I used to watch Netflix and I kind of got sick of it. I mean, I think for me to use any kind of like smart home products, it would have to be really useful. And I think right now the utility isn't there and the functions and like are just kind of not there. So in that case, Taylor, what would be like the ideal smart home product for you? I'll give you an example. I work from home a lot. And what I do in the morning, it's getting cold now. I will wake up, make a cup of tea for myself, turn on my laptop. By the time I remember I made a cup of tea, it's cold. And I was like, mm-hmm. if someone invents a mug that a like beeps... Kettle? 
I know. I also don't have a microwave. So this is like, you're learning how basic I am. But I was like, why isn't there a mug that tells me when things are getting too cold? That would be a smart device that I'd buy. Another thing that I'd buy, something that picks clothes up off of the floor for me. Oh, I mean, I want like a robot. Like, yeah, they have like Roombas. I want somebody to like clean and organize my entire apartment. If they had like Janet in the Jetsons, like, yeah. There's some some essay was a while ago. It was like, everyone wants a wife. And it was, it was about like feminism and how, you know, whatever. And that's a saying, I think I I can't remember. I don't know. I'm going to misquote it. I can't remember, but it's so true. Like, I just (laughs) want somebody to like, not that a wife should be cleaning up after you, but like, I I want, what I want is a robot cleaner to clean up after me. Yes. That would be an amazing, I want a housekeeping robot. So I don't have to feel like I'm exploiting someone with yeah. Like low salary. Yeah. Like, but I know, I mean, like I said, though, my apartment is literally so small. So for me to not keep it clean seems like, I feel like if it gets messy, I'm living in it. So I kind of have to <laughs> keep it clean because it's like so small. I can't go into another room to escape. But I do like to think, yeah. Yeah. The next evolution of Roomba will be something that can pick things up. And I need like a sentient know, thing to like go around oh my god okay i went to ces last year and they had a folding robot and the robot was it the most idiotic thing i've ever seen <laughs> literally first of all it was giant it was giant it was like wow. the size of a washing machine and you could oh only gosh. fold eight pieces and it didn't handle plus size clothes or baby clothes so like good luck to you if you uh, you know whatever <laughs> what? and you have to fold you have to like feed each thing in like it's like a printer or something you have to feed each piece of clothing in completely flat and like and you can only do it at a time it was, the mo- I wrote a piece on how stupid it was, but yeah, like ugh, that's the problem with technology is like, those are great ideas, but it has to go through so many iterations before it gets good that I try to wait on everything until it's like the best. Like I don't ever buy new, like whatever the new gadget is, I just don't buy any of it, which seems weird. Cause I do, I am technically a tech reporter, but I feel you as well. Like there are certain things where I don't want to be an early adopter. For example, I'd be curious to hear your thoughts. Mars. Do you want to be one of oh, the first wave? Really? No. Because no. No <laughs> some Mars. people are. They're like, I want to I be the first human. That's great. They. That's good that there's other people to go. I have no desire. <laughs> it's stupid. Like, I mean, it, it's not stupid. It's great. I hope that we do interplanetary exploration. Like, that's amazing. It's very cool. I just know myself personally. Like, I can barely move out of New York. So I'm not moving to Mars. But it is cool. I do like new experiences, but I'm not going to like get that one's a bit. That one's a bit extreme. I feel like I watched The Martian with Matt Damon and I was like, nah. I, I wonder how far people are going to spread out in the universe in the future. It's going to be Aww. cool. But. Taylor, thank you so much for all these amazing suggestions and insights and keeping me very entertained. I feel like people are going to laugh a lot when they listen to this episode. This is your opportunity to tell everyone listening where to find you and what exciting stuff you're working on that they can keep their eyes out for. Yeah. Um, well, you can find me on Instagram. I'm at Taylor Lorenz on Instagram. Please follow me on Instagram. Also follow <laughs> I'm really trying to get Instagram followers and I promise I will post good content if you follow me. Um, also respond to Instagram DMs more than Twitter DMs. Um, I do have Twitter also. So follow me there. I'm at Taylor Lorenz. I mean, if you're interested in my work, probably follow me on Twitter and Instagram. I am constantly looking to hear about new trends. So I really, um, if you ever see anything funny or cool online, just DM it to me. I do look at all my DMs, even though I don't respond to all of them, but I'm always looking for things. So send me anything. And I love to see what people are working on. So send me any projects, even if I can't cover it. I like to know about it. Great. Wonderful. I'm sure that's going to make all the makers listening to this very excited and very happy because there's so many cool things going on. Thank you so much for giving us this time, chatting to us all the way from Brooklyn. Yeah, we really appreciate it. Thanks, Taylor.
Yeah, thank you for having me. Thanks for tuning in. We'll be back next week. But in the meantime, share the podcast with your friends on Twitter and tag a guest you'd like to hear in a future episode. See you soon.